Hi everyone, this is Sydney Otomanchuk from Inside Scientific, the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. Today's episode of Expert Answers features Dr. Gethin Evans. He joined us for the fourth and final webinar in a four-part series focused on current and emerging trends in science education, where he delves into his experience teaching in the life sciences pre, during, and post-pandemic. Let's jump in. Our first question from Wendy, I don't know if you can answer this one, but you might have some information. Is the Understand Your Physiology a resource that comes with LT or is that something different? Uh, Somebody from ADI might want to explain exactly how it works, but it's certainly in the LT platform. So whenever you purchase LT, you you purchase a a package that we have, say, for example, the Human Physiology package. and We have the sensor package because we bought those LT sensors. Uh, another package you can you can invest in is understand your physiology and you access it through LT. Exactly where it comes from behind the scenes, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but but it's certainly something that, that you access through the same system as you would any of the other stuff. Okay, thanks. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure that ADI can provide more context to that and they can either reach out to you directly or in the Q&A report that we'll have after the webinar. Our next question is, what do you see as the main challenges to implementing the initiatives you've outlined? Scale, I think, is the, the, the key thing. You know, see a lot of the things, particularly at the end that I've talked about there, are in relatively small groups of students. You're talking, in the case of the escape room, I think that was about 150-ish students we had in that. The other ones are maybe more along 10, 20, 30 students that we've, that we've done those activities with. If you've got a cohort of 300 students, then obviously that's a, a much bigger scale. So making sure that we can scale that up to those sort of numbers, certainly from a, a capacity point of view, we can. But whether or not you can maintain the same level of, of delivery uh, is, it will be our main challenge, I think. That makes sense. Yeah, I can't imagine. In, I mean, certain courses, of course, are smaller class sizes, but for the the, you know, the larger courses, there could be several hundred students. That might be more difficult for sure to to do something like that. But generally, I think lab classes, usually it's smaller cohorts. So I think that if I had any of those kind of fun activities, it would have been a lot more interesting than just, you know, reading something in a book. <laughs> so I was really impressed by that. Our next question asks, The data presented covers a relatively small number of students. So this kind of relates to what we were just saying. How do you think it would correspond to larger student numbers? Yeah, it does relate to that that last question. I say from a capacity point of view, we have the capacity to do that. We have the staffing to do that. That's that's not a problem. If you think about time that's invested into putting some of those resources together, you only have to do it once and then you deliver it across multiple runs of, of something. So that's done as well. I think the biggest thing that we'll have is, and and certainly when we've introduced some of these technologies in the past, is because it is different, students take a little bit of time to start engaging in it, particularly if it's optional. If you've stuck an assessment on the end of it, then obviously students are going to take part in it because they, they want the marks that come with it. But if this is an optional activity or an optional extra, then because it's new, because they don't know what to expect, then then sometimes that can be very difficult to get the engagement that you need. So I think in terms of how we scale this up, 
a lot of it will be about how we go about using that in assessment, but also trying to make sure that it becomes normal and it becomes something that isn't just a random one-off quirky type thing that's done. It's a, a, the way that we teach, ultimately. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I was going to ask whether you have done those types of things again, or if it was it was for now a one-off and maybe when you move in the new building, if... A, a lot of those are a lot of those are one-offs because they've been done this year. Um, They're more new. <laughs> yeah, so they, they are more new, but certainly, say from that feedback, you know, if you're getting 100 percent students saying that they're happy with things, that that's not very normal. We're certainly we're already putting together a bunch of stuff for for next year. Certainly, with that new building in mind, we've got the capacity to do it and the technology to do it in there, rather than this current building, which is a 70s building in the UK. It, it's it, this building is, is as you would think of as a, an old college effectively There's lots of little square rooms with, with tables in them which isn't what we're going to have in that new place which will allow a little bit more of this interactivity to, to take place mm-hmm. yeah and i love that you did gather feedback from the students and listen to them and their comments so if if it hadn't worked out and it was a flop then you know to not do it again <laughs> but i think yeah 99 you know positive interactions is amazing Let's squeeze in one last question before um, we finish off today. How do you find staff buy into these initiatives? Mixed, I think is the short answer. We, we have 80 people, 80 academics in this department. Not all of them are going to get on board with these activities. That's absolutely fine in my eyes. You know, There's a lot of people that might say otherwise, but I, I don't see the point in trying to persuade people uh, to try and do these, these sort of things. You're not going to get the enthusiasm from it. Uh, you're not going to get that sort of educator-student type interaction that you're looking for. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with, with delivering lectures if that's what people want to do. There's a good lecture is, is a good lecture. And I think what we're aiming for moving forward isn't moving everything to this sort of activity. It's not moving everything to, to small groups. It's not getting rid of traditional didactic lectures. It's about introducing some more different ways of learning. So instead of turning up and, and expecting 12 hours of contact a week with, with eight of those being sitting in a lecture theatre with someone talking at you, maybe there's less of that and more of the other stuff so that the lectures are actually really interesting, really engaging. Staff aren't delivering those lectures over and over and over again so that they're enthusiastic when they're doing it so that we get this more blended approach to, to how we teach students. Uh, and, and hopefully everyone enjoys that. That's what we're looking for. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you'll tune in to future episodes where researchers, just like you, answer questions about their work, offer tips, tricks, and best practices, but most of all, share science. Don't forget to subscribe.